Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade film movie debate hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Ken. And I'm Ken. Well, uh, you're Ken? I'm Ken. Uh, are we going to have a beat off? You're yeah. Ken, but I'm Ken. I, I'm I, gonna, no, no, I'm no. Gonna beat I'm you Ken. off. I'm going to beat you off in a minute. I'm going to beat you off too, okay? It's going to be Sandy. Might have a sea urchin. We might have to pee on it after a jellyfish, okay? Sublime! Sublime. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. All of our Barbie jokes um, have combined to become the Oppenheimer stuff that's also there, too. So welcome to our Barbenheimer special, where we will cover both Barbie and Oppenheimer as demanded by all every cinephile and film dork and casual fan on the planet, because everybody seems to want one a piece of one of these two movies. So, if yeah. not both, I mean, this is mm-hmm. we'll talk about this later, but you know, this is kind of one of those rare events. Like it feels yeah. like an event kind of thing. Like you got to see both on the same day because there's so many memes, so much buildup. So yeah. much stuff, and and we thought there's no way we could do two separate episodes. So we are Barbenheimering it up. So we're gonna Barbenheimer it up. Uh, so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna both take five minutes of our own to kind of play lover, play hater where we can in terms of uh, both movies and try to talk it out with uh, praise, high minded. Uh, put our praise, put our high minded cases out there. We'll uh, save some counterpoints in our fives and and you know the intellectual score shirt that comes with the show. And then after that, after we kind of discuss both movies in our own little stances, we'll do about thirty minutes of shared conversation where the hits of it really gets chippy. So, um. I probably count as the hater here more than hold on here. Well, do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? We're going to, I think we are technically a mixture of both. We are. But for anyone who knows us, you're Mm -hmm. going to be very surprised. This is true. Ends up being the lover on one of these. Yeah. (laughs) So So do you want to be surprised? Are we going to rock, paper, scissors, the beach off here? Yeah, yeah, let's beach it off. Ready? One, okay, one, beach it off. One, one two, two, three, two. Oh, scissors. One, okay. One, one, two, three. This is great material for a I podcast. All right, you go first. I got scissors, just so you guys know. Um, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> can you keep the time for me? Because I, I forgot. I got to, you. You know what? I'll just, I'll do it. Hold on. There we go. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. So, anyone who knows me knows I am not a Christopher Nolan guy, um, but I've been to welcome you to the twilight zone today folks because oppenheimer is currently sitting as my number two film of the year um right now uh and i gave it five stars if you can believe that um but i I have always been a proponent of you know and, and don and i have talked about this before like you i think there are traits that filmmakers have but each individual film is its own piece of artwork no one who paints a painting paints the exact same thing every time. Even Monet didn't do that, even though it always looks like it. But so I always approach each film from a filmmaker. Sure. I might have my hesitations, might have my expectations. There might be some things you're going to see that are going to happen, but each one is its own piece. So I went at Oppenheimer with an open mind, despite the fact that I've had a a real trouble connecting with Nolan films for a very long time. Like I was on the dark Knight is okay. Train in 2008. I mean, and everybody's been blowing that movie off for forever. And I, I, you know, now it's raised in such esteem that if I say that, people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But I am very noted anti, not anti-Nolan, but just not really a Nolan guy. But whatever he's done here, and it's a true shock to me, not only did I give it five stars, and I was in my second favorite film of the year, but to me it actually did better than Barbie as well. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer's amazing. And I think, and we'll probably get more into this when we talk about Nolan later, but I think the thing that has always tripped me up with him is his clinical coldness. Like the reason why I do not like Inception at all is because he takes something that is surreal and literally emotional, like dreaming, and makes it so clinical and sterile. And I just can't get behind that. Um, And I always feel like there is a coldness to everything. It's very clinical, very technical, very like Cronenberg in a lot of ways, because Cronenberg is the same way, but his topics are more interesting to me. But so you have to engage me with the topic. And sometimes he's, he's so uh, fundamentally 
not boring, but just like he's straightforward with the storytelling, but it's because it's so clinical and not emotional that I get bored or I'm not interested. That actually kind of suits Oppenheimer a lot in this movie because this is more because this is based on a book of history and not something out of Nolan's mind. He is presenting this as, with the exception of maybe the last half hour, as as uh, not ambiguous, but as neutral as possible. And I think that lack of emotion actually helps you connect with why the character of Oppenheimer and so many of the characters around him are confusing because they're likable in some scenes and hateable in others. So Nolan's approach actually works here. And that's why it's number two. Number one, I will go with probably a less, well, it is visually interesting, but maybe not as as craft heavy as Oppenheimer. But for me, Guardians 3 is number one for the emotion. I went to that one to feel. Number two, I went that I went with Oppenheimer to learn. So that's kind of where I'm I'm balancing out. Both are visually splendid in very different ways. Now we go to Barbie, another visually splendid film. Um, I, I my problems with Barbie are that I I, I wish it stuck to a. It, it's very uh, bumpy. It's a bumpy ride in terms of tonal consistency. Um, it plays out like a pretty crazy fantasy at first then it molds into a fish out of water you know uh kind of madcap slapstick adventure and then it becomes this uh barrier breaking down social commentary and uh and truly the last third of the movie is where the movie really breaks out and really becomes something special so it's kind of a tale of two halves almost it's like i feel like in the first half it's kind of okay I, i see what you're going with it's 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 a little obvious it's not hitting all the punches that I want, but then the second half, it just hits all of them and makes a comeback. So I gave it four stars. So, But for anyone who knows me to, to know that I picked a Nolan film over a Greta Gerwig film, and not like a Greta Gerwig, you know, groupie or anything. I think Lady Bird's fantastic. I think Little Women's fantastic. And I love Greta Gerwig as an actress, too, and anything I've seen her in. But I, I do appreciate her art form. She seems like kind of a uh, a more approachable version of her husband, Noah Baumbach. Um, so so kind of artsy fartsy, but also kind of a goofy person. And that definitely comes across in the film. Both of these films do have Gerwig elements and Nolan elements. Um, but I would think just to show you how uh, I'm not just a man of, you know, certain ways of thinking all the time uh i opened my mind and while i enjoyed barbie i ended up loving barbenheimer oppenheimer a lot more okay okay (laughs) yeah i know unmute and get it back there so thanks for the video youtube um i'll start with barbie um since this is love to hate thing um barbie for me was the total package i think it really had it all in terms of um just what creativity it what creativity is possible when you can take, uh, when you just subvert, ex- um, just kind of subvert expectations. And I normally don't use the, the E word, um, and I didn't in my review, but just the idea of like, um, just the way it would just, um, yeah, just, um, I don't, I mean, I, I can, without saying the E word, I'm trying to put my finger on it where it's just, um, you have this, the, the layers and layers of social commentary, and you have these um, madcap performances from from Gosling and from Robbie and all the different cast underneath them that's um, very much intentionally meant to be even ditzier and even dumber than even their two leads that are starting to kind of, you know, take in and see a different world and get wiser from it, where it's still a blast to see the Simu Lu's and the Emma McKees and the Emerald Fennels and the, and the Kate McKinnons just kind of stay doofus and end up a little bit at the same time as you have the physical comedian uh of will ferrell 20 years after elf kind of still being kind of the exasperated boss in a movie about naivety not all that far removed for something like elf but for me barbie just had it all um by the time you have the big talking points and by the time you have the laugh out loud fun that is in every step of the way uh, whether it's a um, something to show off, something to take down, something to present, um, a fish out of water, this, a fish out of water, that, yeah, it's all familiar pieces and parts that maybe, you know, that we've seen in little places and little spaces between Wizard of Oz and the Lego movie and stuff like that. I mean, I get all the comparisons there and, and even, um, Gerwig's got, or at least people have generated for her, like, um, a letterbox list of things that she's kind of borrowed from. And, uh, what I'm impressed with is she's taking 
simple and seeing story traits and story narratives and applying them to one of the most unlikely sources you could ever imagine with with this ridiculous toy and by the time you kind of have this you know toy story come to life you have this um and then you set it in you know the glowing place that they take it to be you know very um very demeaned when i just watched um um uh, the young girls of Russia for earlier this week. And I I've seen the umbrellas of Schoberg and like, you see the, the inspiration of old Hollywood kind of come in here. And then you have the simplistic, you know, intentionally very plastic and hard production values of waves and sand and stuff like that. And to, to think of all of that and to have all that come into play and, and, and create the artifice that comes with, uh, you know, a, an emerged Pinocchio story of all things, I just thought it had everything. Um, it, it had laughs, it had depth, it had smarts. Um, two incredible performances. No one ever gives uh, a lot of credit to comedy when it comes to award level performances, but uh, the two leads are just incredible. So um, my t- my hat tip goes there. Where I don't, I've been stingy this year about five star reviews, and this is the first five star film I've rated this year. Um, and that's a that's a bold statement for me of all places. Um, when I get over to Oppenheimer, um, it's we're back to craft and we're back to artifice again, where I, I hat tip Christopher Nolan many places and, and, and in many ways, they just where, you know, cinematography and a man who shoots on film and his ambitions to be the, the, the one half gatekeeper and one half artist that he is. Um, I don't mind it. And I admire it in many levels where you, you're, you're getting a great cast. You're giving them, you know, some things to kind of dive into and jump into. Um, but for some reason, it's just it's gotten to a point where he is a little more repetitive and he is a little more effusive and that and you're right that cold emotion thing it it, it is the missing spark that you have you have all these things and you have the the malik like inserts of all this like natural imagery and explosive shit where i'm like okay terrence tone it the fuck down um but at the same time here comes nolan trying his hand at doing that you know um that that stream of conscious flicker of things but in a place where it's just hard to kind of get hot and bothered about what it is because at the end of the day, you're getting hot and bothered about a security clearance, closed door meeting and a fucking cabinet appointment. And when it's all said and done, and I know I'm distilling the movie down to a very simplistic level than it, than it really deserves to be because it's about the man and his whole life and all that bullshit. But, um, I, it just, it doesn't rattle me. You could have took my pulse the whole movie, even during the Trinity test, which is a nice, loud, amazing, great thing. It's, it's just, blaring sound blaring noise and it 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 doesn't there's nothing there that kind of grabs me and it just it fell on me it just lost to me i see all the tech you know, technical acumen possible with with what oppenheimer's doing and i'm i'm impressed by a couple of really strong performances that got to spread their wings a little more of course killian murphy's amazing and robert downey jr you know eased this movie up which is fantastic which is when we get to the discussion point i'm going to tell you why he should not be in the movie um but for now uh, it's just one of those. Nolan is too cute for his own good. Where he's starting to do. He's. I. I always use the joke from Knocked Up about the the dice shaking dance move that Seth Rogen uses, where it's kind of all he's got. You know, is the joke they use in the movie. And Nolan playing fuckery with time. I'm not saying he's M Night Shyamalan, but it's kind of all he's got. And we've got a movie with three different anchors and moorings that go in different places that where you could get away with two. And guess what? Your movie's an hour shorter and it's tighter. And maybe the rattles and the emotional beats hit more because all you have is the man and his reflections and not congressional hearings and horseshit after that. So, um, no, it's still a fine film. It's going to rake, especially if all these movies pull out at the end of the year, it's going to rake at the Oscars or at least rake nominations. Um, if everything stands pat and gets into the Oscar race, this is that movie that that for me, like Fableman's last year, it gets 10 nominations and wins one or zero. But because there's too many other huge things coming. But for now, if everything backs away and pulls out, it's the front runner in the clubhouse and I get why. So um, it was a three out of five for me. It was very harsh to go all the way down to three. I would never take it down to two. Um, but um, yeah, it's I I'll talk I'll talk later when we get to our 30 about just um I've got some I don't normally do this in a review, but I'll say it here. Like I've got some comparisons in some places where the three hours of time went better and moved me more. And I'll share those when we get there. So I totally went over five. Um, Talk it. Be tight, folks, and please enjoy this short announcement from Ruminations Radio Network. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. 
Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you. Alright, welcome back. Yeah. Um let's, let's talk about since you went with since you went with Barbie first, let's talk and you talked about subverting expectations. Let's talk I about did. that. Because um yeah. couple of things. This is a a marketing, you know, sure. juggernaut. This Barbie's everywhere. Um it, it is now and, yeah. and with it and, and regardless of whether you watch trailers on purpose or not, you can't escape mm-hmm. a lot of it. You either go to the theater yeah. and see the trailer, you see a commercial, you see all the stuff online, the memes, whatever. And um, this is a trailer so, I actually got stuck watching several times because I went to Little yeah. Mermaid with my daughter and we, I've ca- I actually had to catch this one. So you so, caught me. But when you talk about expectations though, like for it to still deliver surprises despite the over oh. marketing is impressive. Yeah. But the main thing I want to say that I thought was a great subversion of expectations um, was that Margot Robbie, who's excellent in pretty much everything she ever does. Um, she surprisingly, I think for mm-hmm. some, maybe not for others, she kind of plays the straight man in this. And I agree. she has to really carry the movie as, the eyes and ears of, you know, she has her Barbie moments, but for the most part, she is on the journey with us and we're just kind of living in that world. And everybody else kind of gets to, uh, you know, be a little bit crazier. And, and now you got something like Gosling who puts in an amazing performance and Simu Liu and Kingsley Benadir and Issa Rae and uh, a lot of other ones that get a lot of Kate McKinnon that, you know, are worth are worth that zaniness, but a lot of times mm-hmm. the straight man always gets overlooked, and I think that may happen in this case because I think people will be, and justfully so, looking at Ryan Gosling as this amazing character. But he also had a lot more to he yeah. had a lot more broad, open, and zany comedy to work with, whereas Robbie really has to really carry everything. It's true, and, and actually be one of the straightest people in this kind of kooky yeah. crazy world so well, that was a, the biggest surprise to me was how on the level she was yeah uh you know she's not part of the zaniness of the movie in a way yeah my big surprise was um was america ferrera i mean mm. because the movie peaks with um her character's name is Gloria. she's a single mother to a teenage daughter uh not single like no not you're right she's married that's she right has, yeah, yeah she yeah. has a husband but he's super nerdy and Right, right, right. But um, she's got the stump spot and the pontifications point where at, at kind of the dramatic peak of the movie where the Kens have kind of taken over Barbie land and the, and the girls need to kind of get it back. She lets off the diatribe for the ages about all the inequalities and contradictions that beset women. And she lays it all out there with every boom and mic drop and all this stuff like that. And of all the characters in the movie to get that spot, it's the human. It's America Ferrera. It's the yeah. eighth eighth person down the the billing, you know. And mm-hmm. that's where it surprised me was just like when I was in it. We were um my press screening was was press, but also influencers. It's the weirdest press screening I was. At. I was going to ask you long. about that. It yeah. was the weirdest press screening I've been at in a long time. Where there's about three rows of us usual press people who will react to a movie, but you just don't hear a lot of hearty har har communal experience stuff going on. But the influencers in the room who are just snapping pictures every eight, 18, 12 seconds uh, until they security says, put your phones away. Um, you can hear them at every little line America reads in that speech and just be like, mm-hmm, 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 damn girl. Mm-hmm. And it was just, that's when you know the movie took it to another level where well, it's well, yeah. the human that can come in and say it, not just the toy. I think we all expected Margot Robbie to maybe get a big speech or a big spot, but it was America. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and I have a different perspective, but the same okay. thing is, so I, I'm not on that studio's list for press. So I, I went in the public. I went, I did yeah. the Barbenheimer experience in public sold out. Well, not sold out, but pretty much sold out for both shows. Sure. I and Barbie. Uh, actually had a lot of walkouts from the general public. Really? Um, tell there, was a, there, was a, there was a woman in front of me. Uh, you could tell she was really excited to be at the movies because she took like 48 takes of you know one shot to post on social media of her like drinking a drink and saying like, hey, I'm at Barbie. <laughs> okay. Um, but she walked out as soon as the soon as the more message heavy stuff started coming out. She left. Yeah, uh, I can and see then that crowd. 
there was, and remember, I'm in Arizona, so this is you've got more, snowbirds. Yep, it's a purple state, but it's still got some hardcore red red state people. Yeah, over here. yeah. Uh, there was a couple. There was a woman behind me who had a small child, not maybe like seven or eight, and sure. she was like, she was like, nope, not dealing with this, and she left. So it was yeah. all women or that were leaving. It wasn't men because there wasn't a lot of men. To be honest, I was probably one of, um, you know, any other men that were there. I was with my daughter. Any other men that were there were either on a date or. You with know, their daughter, yeah. Greta, Greta Gerwig fans. <laughs> but sure. uh, but it was mostly women dressed up. But yeah, the, the, it, it had a lot of walkouts. And I can imagine that's probably happened a lot because if there's one thing people don't want to hear in this day and age is an alternating opinion on something. Or um, have their nose rubbed in it a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, mm-hmm. and women especially. I mean, we won't mm-hmm. get into politics on this show, but, you know, when you when you know that you know, 40% or 50% of white women voted for a specific candidate who has no respect yeah. for them. You know, sometimes they, they go against their self-interest. And I think sometimes, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes to rock the boat, you have to piss people off. I agree. And I, I think this movie will, I mean, we've already seen it from a lot of like hard right guys. Like I think, uh, what's his name? Um, who's that goofball that uh, Ben Sh- Ben Shapiro. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, I heard this one. You know, he was like forced to go <laughs> by producers and he's just like, this is the most woke, you know, whatever. Uh, and we, we saw a little bit of backlash about that with Joyride as well. You know, we uh, a lot of yeah. hard right people going like it's anti-male and it's anti-white. And it's like, okay, but movie's not made for males or whites. So, nope. you know, we don't have to make it about white male speaking as a white male. But um, I, I think that's a good thing. I think that if it rattles cages and gets people to leave, it's doing I the agree. right with uh in spreading its message so uh, i'll yeah. second that with um if they don't leave and they sit through it i hope the conversations spring forth after it you know like i know my daughter you've met my daughter she's 10 um mm-hmm. she's a pretty sheltered kid we don't get too carried away with things mm-hmm. and um i know that's a movie that upholds this pg-13 spot i couldn't take my daughter to it or if i did she would um she just miss a lot of things. It would take a few conversation points afterward. Yeah. But I would welcome that future conversation if we if we were to see it together down the road two years from now on HBO Max or something like that. I think she would. I think she would appreciate it. And I think I would hope she would appreciate her parents kind of saying, "Hey, take a look at this and tell me what you talk about it when you're done." You know, I, I hope you sure. got to have those combos, and I hope a lot of ladies have a lot of combos this weekend. But I'm with you. I. I Maybe less so in my very blue town, but like uh, the pearl clutchers are out there where they this my I'll even say it because she doesn't listen to the show. My own mother will not watch this movie. I don't play with Barbies. And I'm like, okay, old gravel road farm kid woman who votes red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to be that person. Enjoy your Jason Aldean song this weekend and stuff like that. So and and she is. So Well, and that's the cool part. And this is one of the things that grabbed me about the movie, too. Yeah. in, In the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said, if you love Barbie, you'll love this yeah, movie. Yeah. If you hate Barbie, you'll love this movie. And I, I really do like some of the things it tag. One of the best scenes in the movie is a scene where um, Barbie uh, c- confronts four high school girls. Right. You know, and, oh, and it's not only is it good because it shows, you know, like you can tell there was good intentions with when they made Barbie. It was also a different time. Totally. Um, but the, there's also like conflict within the high school girls. There's one girl who's like, well, I love Barbie. And they're like, yeah, you can't say that. Like there's yeah. so many layers of social commentary and honesty about, um, you know, uh, just what this thing means. And also yeah. in the greater context of like, you know, whether some people like it or not, the IP of cinema, um, True. I, I gotta say, we we were actually having a conversation. I believe it was with Paul. I I, I don't know mm-hmm. who runs Cinematic Underdogs Twitter account, but should be uh, Paul. Yeah, should be Paul. So we were talking about like you know he was talking about before he saw Barbie, before I did. Like you know why are we giving Barbie a break? You know as this clear piece of like you know Mattel IP cinema, but like something like Space Jam Two is criticized for mm. uh, Space Jam Legacy or whatever the hell it's called, New Legacy. Sure. Uh, for being uh, cynical and and stuff, and I and my argument was that in Space Jam, it's more plot driven. Like it's like they have a great Agreed. scene. They have a great scene in the boardroom where like everyone's like, we can't do anything without the algorithm. And then yeah. the vil- the villain is an algorithm, but it is mostly existing to show 
what Warner Brothers has at its disposal. Like it's it's more of a like a like a catalog yeah. of what Warner Brothers has to offer. There there is a cynical nature to it. It, it doesn't stick to deconstructing mm. the you know that concept of like we're board executives yeah. we don't know what we're doing. This and I I had a I had suspicion this was going to be the case and it, and it proved okay. to be true is that it, it is Mattel uh kind of sure do they want to sell stuff from this of course I, and I I've always been of the belief that like and you know this too that mm-hmm. you know art can be commercial as well like it's like directors as soon don't as soon very, as you start selling tickets it's yeah, it's, it's a it's, business there's very few I I would say maybe mm-hmm. like a David Lynch who could give a shit anymore. Like mm. there's very few that go like I'm making this movie to make money for more movies. Like so, there are very few true right. starving artists out there. So yeah, but so like Mattel is using, you know, uh, their brand to get people in the seats, but they right. are in a, in an uncynical way. They are truly analyzing like what this IP means in society. Like they're, they're actually taking the concept, not making it part of the plot. I mean, it is part of the plot, sure. but making it part of what the movie has to say. And that's yeah, the difference yeah. between that and like a space jam, new legacy or something like that. And it's I, the argument I've made about Marvel versus a lot of other things is that, yeah, there is an artistry in there. That's at play that, that sure. They want to make money, but it feels like, you know, with the Kevin Feige's and stuff, they, they want to make something truly special on okay. top of it. So I don't know. That's I got that with Barbie. I was like, this is yeah. a great use of IP. Like this is a, a way yeah. to analyze what the IP means in society, make commentary on it, talk about the negative parts of it if you have mm-hmm. to, but also the positive. Like they make fun of themselves quite a bit. I mean, oh, I know. Then, and you think, it, yeah. you know, no, I think um, I think the the traits that I think make this kind of thing work more than when it doesn't work when it when it's space jam or when it's just really blatant look show uh really blatant just um kind of just showing off kind of thing or just like you said showing off the catalog if you want to call it nostalgia bait and stuff like bullshit like that if you want to use those terms fine um i think what separates this is it's this conversion that greta's got going between showmanship and wisdom you know like mm-hmm. the showmanship comes in with we're having flashy dance numbers. We're having practical mm-hmm. sets, and these plasticky ones that go where they go. You have mm-hmm. the, the period, you have the, the um, product specific costume work. You have the mm-hmm. impeccable makeup and stylings and all that. Like the showmanship is, is making Barbie look like a zillion bucks. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it can, and, but it, it's still yeah. zillion bucks and it's still as plastic and fake as it's supposed to be just w- with live action actors. So there's a showmanship to this where the music's on point, even the soundtrack's kicking a little bit. But if you just do all that to show off, and that's almost like the Mario movie when you get to the animated thing where it's like, here's or all the Asteroid great- City too. This yeah. is kind of that same way, Wes Anderson a little yeah. bit. So you have like I I know I can make a good looking movie and, and even Illumination Studios can make a really good looking Mario movie because Mario's easy to make look good. But where you have to kind of meet in the middle in terms of like having two things on the rise that smash together is the wisdom in it is as having something smart to say and do with your showmanship. And I think that's where you separate the men from the boys or even just the quality, the, the quality from the crap when it comes to these movies where the Lego movie did that. The Lego movie is the easiest example to go to because like you have that competing uh, mentality of like um, the freeform thinker and the free builder, the master builder. And then you have the Emmett who just, you know, the follow directions that make a pretty good looking piece. And the, my dad might even glue them together and stuff like that. Like the two and. The cool part is there's a wisdom to like not vilifying either one of those. We're like, hey, if you want to follow directions and make perfect Lego pieces, have at it. If you're a freeform thinker and you're going to make your own little monster things out of multicolored bricks, have fun there too. Because guess what? It's all fun. So yeah. when Barbie goes to that point of like, um, with the like, and, and it gets exposed by America's Speech, the girls' reaction in high school, the the, and then even just by the time Rio Perman shows up and just says, hey, we're just looking for you to be a woman. And if you want to be a woman this way, if you want to be a woman that way, if you, if you want to involve a man in your life here, if you want to involve a man in your life there, all of it's fine because you're doing what you're comfortable with. You're doing what you love. And if we can inspire you along the way, awesome. You know, yeah, so I, yeah. I like that there's a, a convergence of wisdom and showmanship that normally isn't here. Like, you're not going to see this shit in a, in a Transformers movie. You're not going to see this stuff in a G.I. Joe movie. Um, it's it's going to yeah. come out in a heady place like this. And I, and I well, super wholly appreciate that. 
another thing too is it addresses the issues and controversies that there may be yeah. past stuff without going the cancel culture route. You know, like, yes. like that's, a, a I good, think that's a, important, especially a now. Good, that could have example, easily been a bear trap of that. Yeah. Yeah. A good example uh, in both cases, a good and bad is as, as even though I, I really loved Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Mm, um, okay. There is like a moment where like, you know, Phoebe Waller bridge or whatever has to tell, you know, Harrison Ford about all the, wrong things he did in the past films like uh yeah grave rob and cultural appropriation yeah, and stuff. yeah 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 it's unnecessary like mm-hmm. if i think intelligent people understand that the the things that go through time you know like you know steven spielberg did not make a blatantly racist movie i mean there there was definitely some things he probably would have he would do over again in temple of doom but it's not like he went out there and was like how can i insult this culture the most you exactly know, yeah the movie handles that really well. Barbie handles that really well. Like for instance, um, you're introduced to um, the pregnant Barbie, you know, yeah. and everyone's constantly yeah. like, Hey, don't, don't show that one. That one's weird. Why did we do that? Mm-hmm. Like, instead of like embracing, like we should have never done this. Like mm-hmm. they kind of make it a joke. They kind of make it yeah. like, Ooh, Alan, too. That? Yeah. Alan yeah. Uh, there was yeah. a, I, I didn't catch the names. There's like two guys that hang out with weird Barbie that were discontinued also. It's oh. like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, remember, any I don't remember the names, but like they, they were something yeah, that was kind of weird. Weird Barbie, like we have Barbies that are tortured and crammed on, and it's perfect. Yeah, you know? but no, but I mean, like there was two, like they had really weird names, but instead of being mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, yikes!" like they were just like, "Yeah, we did that. That was probably in the seventies, and whatever, our bad." Yeah, you know, like it, it. So it's it's not like it's condemning anything. It's accepting. Mm-hmm. I think we see a lot of properties now go overboard to correct so to speak mistakes yeah you know and this movie this movie could have really did that ring in that patriarchy bell really hard but by ringing it as as goofy as they do it's made to and it's not correcting it because we we find this like mutual um we find the mutual respect and the mutual uh live together culture that Mm -hmm. that comes together like hey hey ken we maybe should give you a few more things to do and by the end of it, but where you, it doesn't have to be patriarchy, put the book down, buddy, but like inclusion, you know, inclusion, well, like you get yeah, them both it, there, but they're still point. ringing a bell. They're still ringing a very good joke bell though. Well, that's a really good point because instead of villainizing men, yes, you know, it shows the comfortableness that some men have in society because of what's been given to them. And also True. ignorance. It, yeah. I, I, I truly do not believe in this world that there are men out there, like there are men out there that are evil. There are women out there that are evil. There's plenty of people that are evil out there. Sure. But I, I, I do not believe that they're like a majority of men, you yeah. know, are consciously sexist, cons- consciously racist, consciously womanizers, whatever. It does come down, getting- to, it, it comes down to how people were raised. Like, I mean, we, we know plenty of people that, you know, they'll say something to be like, what the hell did that come from? And then you realize, oh, okay, that was my grandpa. He said that he's, you know, he was born in the twenties. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't, we, we seem to give a pass to that and not judge people, but we are in this day and age now where we are judging people so harshly, mm. you know, social media culture is a big one. It's like someone will go find something you tweeted 14 years ago. It's true. And yeah. I think all of us more mature people can understand like, yeah, I am not the same person that, 20 40 that i was at 25 completely Same. different person but we don't do that anymore it seems like in this society we do it so instead of just saying like okay men bad women good which i think mm-hmm. a lot of conservatives and hard right people are going to latch on to it really? actually does at the end it goes like well how can we make this like the whole thing about the the girls night like mm-hmm. she concedes at the end she's like you know what we should have had a boys night for you guys like we should have yeah. like it doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah, it doesn't I, magically yeah. solve everything by the end of the movie whatsoever. You know, like right, it doesn't. Right. It, there's no permanent, you know, big group hug conclusion. Like there's common ground found, but everything's right. not fixed and everything's not perfect. And that to me is another layer of that wisdom where I think a lot of movies rush and magically get to a perfect little tiny happy ending just for the sake of getting to a perfect tiny well, happy and that, ending. And that's this actually. One doesn't. That's actually the conceit of the movie is that everyone mm-hmm. in Barbie world feels they solved everything. Yeah. And that that's yeah. actually one of the problems that our main Barbie has mm-hmm. is she's starting yeah. to realize 
well, well, maybe just because my world is like this doesn't mean the rest of the world is, you know, and that's yeah. that's a great that's a great theme to put out there in the world is that yeah. like we all live in bubbles and and things like that, whether we want to or not. And and sometimes yeah, those bubbles do not represent, you know, which is why you cannot just demonize that's right. everybody right off the bat because some of them are insulated in those bubbles. And, and I, mm-hmm. I try my best, but there's definitely bubbles that I'm in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. We're all in. I mean, we all got them. Yeah. We, we all have them and, and it takes, it takes effort to yeah. bust out of those bubbles. Um, and I hope that movie shows a few bubbles in a, especially with a communal experience that we're going to share a bubble for two hours and it's going to be very interesting to see how we come out of it. It is. I, a, it is interesting thing uh, one more thing i'm going to say about barbie is i i yeah. don't know if you'll agree with me or, with this or not all right but i think will ferrell is becoming ned Beatty. um i hope so like I, he, I, that's no, a great place like, to be with your career like if you physically get there. though he physically probably looks like, yeah like i was it's watching pa- him in the ball ned Beatty. sure yeah it's really tall but like i was watching him at one point with the haircut and the gray yeah, yeah. and his and facial the, expressions the uh-huh and i was like he reminded me of Ned Beatty. Like I was like, mm-hmm. Will Ferrell's becoming Ned Beatty. And that's yeah. pretty cool. I think I'm, I'm very a piece of that. And um, yeah. I, um, yeah, there's just so many nice touches in that. So, but uh, we go from that to something like you said, yes. colder and harder with Oppenheimer and I'll mm-hmm. come right out. I'll come right out guns blazing. Okay. We're going to, we're going to get to this in a future editorial show. We've got this idea of talking about why do movies feel so long? And this three hour movie to me is one of them. And I'm going to lay this out. Um, okay. This movie has, um, two kind of like touchstone kind of anchor moorings kind of plot threads. And it's the 1954 security clearance hearing uh, to kind of, you know, continue or discontinue Robert Oppenheimer's security status or security clearance. Obviously this is um, 10 years after building the atomic bomb when he's kind of the toast of America. He's America's here for greeting bomb. But in those fifties, he kind of said, Hey, he looked back on what he created and he had those regrets and whatnot. And this inquiry led by Jason Clark's lawyer and a little bit of Tony Goldwyn, just kind of looking good in the big, at the top of the table. <laughs> um, and I love a little Tony Goldwyn cause I'm a ghost guy. But anyway, um, that hearing is really good because it brings all of our past characters to the front of, to the present, so to speak. And, and, and grills them about how it all went down, how it all has changed. We're in an arms race of the Cold War. Would you do it all differently? And what did you think of Robert along the way? And those reflection points from all the characters that that kind of you know step to the stand, which is a conference room table and a chair, um, is fascinating stuff. Where all of that kind of like divulges all the underneath emotions that you that that are there along the way of doing the very stressful work and important work that they did. If that's your one bounce, bouncy Nolan thing, mm-hmm. awesome. Okay. By the time you go black and white five years after that and you bring Robert Downey Jr. in, now I know Robert Downey Jr. has been planted. It's a historical figure, but he's planted in the story to kind of be the framing overarching... Device. Framing the device. Framing, the framing device, but he's also kind of deemed to be the villain, like the guy who's never kind of really, really been sold in the guy the whole way was besmirched by him a little bit in one thing that they try to demonstrate in a court thing. But we have this congressional, you know, uh, this United States Senate hearing to get his cabinet clearance as the director of commerce. And it, mm-hmm. it turns into the, well, all the scientists never forgotten. Here comes your comeuppance. And that eats into, and I love Robert Downey Jr. But that, you don't need any of that in this movie. And if you shave, hmm. if you shave everything Robert Downey Jr., which I'm very sorry to say, full admission, he's fantastic. Um, but if you shave everything black and white from 1959, and even if you trim the beginning where he like meets a few heroes in the twenties, like if you just start with him working at Berkeley, meeting Josh Hartnett and it turns into the Manhattan project, you probably have a two hour, 10 minute movie. That's kind of tip fucking top. And I know that's a bold thing and I'm not, it's armchair editor stuff, but that's where I would go to improve this movie. I, I, I agree with you in a way because I actually, yeah. while I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, where is this going? Because this seems like it's on a tangent. Yeah. But, it, in, but once it was over, yeah. I, I kind of felt like everything was a part of the piece and I, I wouldn't well, take anything out. So that's I don't know. Nolan's, I, that's Nolan's magic. Like no one's, no one's known for those like final five minutes, those little flourishes of like, all my threads are coming together. This is the yeah. reason it was all there. And we've got that. By the time we're talking to Einstein yeah. at the fucking pond, it's magic, but it's kind of still horseshit. Well, so. no, I, I I can see why that might rub people the wrong way. I, I yeah. get that. I, I 
to me the the theme of it all was you know it's really not about oppenheimer in a way it's it's more about like kind of how society like views certain achievements and things like that yeah and yeah. and how it's so quickly to well another christopher nolan reference here mm-hmm. you know you 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 live long enough to become the villain you know true um and so i i, I kind of like to see all the different levels of which Oppenheimer was both a hero and a villain to so many people. I thought it really like just kind of made the the okay. whole piece feel stronger. Yeah. Um, like I said, nothing shocks me more than I'm defending a Nolan film, but I know another thing I read today. Yeah. That was interesting was that every scene uh, this is, I don't know where this quoted from. I, I, just, I was trying to find, I wasn't ignoring you. I was trying to find it on Twitter no, you're while you were talking. Um, but somebody said from some interview that the black and white sequences mm-hmm. are considered objective scenes. Like they are the more historical scenes and the color scenes are the subjective scenes. Now, well, part of me, part of me is thinking, I, well, hold on. Part of me is thinking this is kind of artsy fartsy ridiculousness, but yeah. There is a sequence that confused me in the movie, and now I okay. get it because, for the Which most one? part, the framing device with Robert Downey Jr. Most of that's in black and white. Yes. Now there is a scene that Nolan keeps going back to, where they're all at a table. It's after the war. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're they're determining that Russia, you know, is next. Has, yep. it, it has all this stuff, and yeah, there's scenes of that that are in black and white at first, and I was like. Well, wait a minute. Like, cause I understand, like I, I know about, we all know from watching Tarantino films and whatever chronology is, but you usually have a, a, a rule system in place, you know, like the black and white is yeah. this time period, you know, the color with this particular, like look is this period, you know, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So when they went to one of those table scenes in black and white, I was kind of like, well, wait a minute. So this isn't the framing part. Yeah, but then every scene after the initial one is in color. Yeah, and I, I found that interesting. So when I heard about that, that it, okay, it's different perspectives. Okay, it, I I was kind of like, oh, I see. So like, this is the meaning as it happened, and then in the next scene, this is the meaning as Oppenheimer saw it. And I was kind of like, that's yeah. interesting. Now, I that might not work for some people, but I was kind of yeah. like, okay. So it, it makes me want to rewatch it because then I'm going to sure. be like, okay, so this is. This is saying, okay, maybe this is when Nolan is looking at Oppenheimer and his feelings versus, okay, like what actually happened or what is reported as happened without emotion. I kind of mm. like that idea, and it, okay, it, it it gives more power to the Robert Downey Jr. stuff too because it's very easy yeah. for for him I, to see him. You know, I don't know, just something I thought. I, about. I just think there's an um, um there's enough. So, um, there's enough of that 1959 stuff, like the mm-hmm. the relationship between Robert Downey Jr. and his aide, played by Alden Ehrenreich, and obviously you have the mm, that's what that a, was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of Oppenheimer in the 1959 stuff, other than that big dinner table stuff that they keep kind of going to a little bit. Um, but that's um, earlier. That's like in the that's in the early 50s, I think. Yeah, that's that's but after you, to me war. Sure, but to me, all of that is Oppenheimer too. Like, because if you do, if you do the, like if you number the, two, like second part, like if you were to sequelize this thing and okay, split gotcha, gotcha. the movie. So like, if you do, if, like I said, if you shave off the 20 stuff when he's a kid and he's a professor and he's syringing poison and apples and bullshit scenes, like, come on, let's just fucking go. So if you start, if you do your little Berkeley to Manhattan thing hmm. and you get in the Trinity test is your climax and you start to kind of pick away at that with the 54 inquiry because to me that's where all of your emotion is when when emily blunt has to take that stand and defend her man when matt damon comes in and kind of confirms hey stand a fucking guy benny safety comes in like everybody who comes back defends the guy while everyone else is trying to tear him down to me that's the emotional head you know, ran, you know, heads ramming together in the movie where that's where you can get something there but you keep taking these dalliances to to Robert Downey Jr., one more thing, one more come up. It's one more thing. So if everything about his 
everything if everything about his um his wavering of his nuclear stance in the 50s is the beginning middle and end of Oppenheimer 2 and it's and it's Robert Downey Jr and Robert Downey Jr to co-lead show there's enough there for a movie and you can sure. shave out this one. So, cause the book is well, based on is your birth to death monster. It's like 700 pages. So yeah, which I, well, I actually can defend the apple scene uh, because that's a microcosm of the atomic project. He has the ability at any time to take life. And yeah. He also and marbles in a jar too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get and it. he also realizes I can't like, there's time and place to take life. And that's where sure. some of the moral arguments come in. Um, that, that's another thing I wanted to focus on is I think the film did a pretty good job. I'm sure history wise, you know, there's a lot of stuff being well, combined into one scene. There's a fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. scene. And my daughter looked at me and she's like, why did you react that way? And I, there's a fantastic scene with James Remar, go James Remar. Mm-hmm. Um, where everybody's kind of sitting in a room talking about like where they're going to bomb. The target, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I can see that being that was probably multiple meetings over time. But like, what they do is they get all the characters in there, and then the, every point of view is represented. Yeah, and usually that can be pretty heavy-handed, but I thought that was done really well. Um, but yeah, I was really disgusted when the guy was like, "Oh yeah, well, I'm not going to bomb Kyoto because that's where I spent my honeymoon. Great place, yeah." You know? And I was just like, Ugh. "Thanks, buddy." But but um, I yeah, like your I, I, I like your question of this color signaling. Um, yeah. And this, this kind of brings in one of my comparisons that came to mind was um, if the color signaling is a thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was having this discussion. Shout out to Aaron White from Feeling Film. We were kind of hashing this out this morning where um, obviously we're playing fantasy to fiction here at least a little bit because like dramatic license is 100 percent in play right here. Like unless we're going off of court transcripts, we don't know what these conversations are saying. There's a really good chance that fit. There's a really good chance that 1954 meeting of whatever his security clearance was, was like two hours in an afternoon, but we're making this look like everyone from his past is brought to the table and we're still going to imagine Florence Pugh banging him. You know, like it's just going to, that was the only thing I didn't like, but yeah, yeah, but, but they're making it like they're making the Jason Clark stuff seem for all we know, He's not asking. He's asking softballs and not hard stuff. Like we just don't know. We weren't in that room. And there's so many closed door conversations that are completely dramatic license, hundred percent composite character things. Where I can't. It, it's it's all. I can't. The use of the word fact is a really is too strong of a word to put here. Where mm-hmm. factual or fa- yes. whatever near fact or realistic fiction, whatever right. you got it. Right. You got to go short of a documentary watching archival footage. We're just not there. We're making composites. We're taking shortcuts every step of the way. Absolutely. And it remind and the color switching reminded me of blonde from last year where I had that weird theory where if, um, where I forgot how he kind of framed it, where if everything in color color is real and like something that actually happened and then everything black and white is the imagined, well, what if this is what was going on in her head? And what if this has really happened? I was wondering if Andrew Dominic had, a, like you said, kind of a code to how the movie is kind of done with those decisions of like, is, is one, I don't want to say subjective objective, but is one more fact and one more fantasy or not. It made me wonder even on this movie too. So yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, you're never, I mean, I have, you know, a friend of mine, you know, masters in history. Like he is a history Mm -hmm. buff. Like I was like, I can't wait to hear your opinion on this. He's like, I'm not going to see this shit because it's going to be wrong. Like all these movies are. And I said, well, yeah, that's, part of, that's yeah. part of the art of cinema as you go and true, enjoy true, true. a story and get emotionally invested. But you know, he's very hardcore into history. And uh, so I, I kind of, you know, was wondering about that as well as I do with most history stuff. Um, but that's just part of the medium. You know, you have yeah. to, you have yeah. to accept, like I said, that scene where they're all talking about where to bomb probably happened over weeks of time, different people, different yeah, opinions, eight, but yeah, for eight the memos and three phone calls. Yeah. 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 For, for the emotion of the movie, they, they put every yeah. opinion in there. Yeah. Um, well, here's know, my, here's my yeah, other but, comp. Here's yeah. my other comp when it comes to like the emotional hunt and botherness where, especially with long movies, um, one blonde, I was completely emotionally deeper or just stronger and harder hitting than this movie in terms of just, mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's high fantasy and going, but I mean like that's a, a three hour movie that, that had you sweating a just complete ringer. The other one that's a little closer yeah. to this where the hot and botheredness of like where you really, you feel the fear. You wonder like, Oh my gosh, what, how deep and how horrible could this really go with JFK by Oliver Stone? Where I, I know haven't seen that yet. I've I've oh, always so I've been scared. Good. I've been scared to watch yeah. it because I don't know why. I mean, I've seen 
I've seen videos of people being killed. I've, I've seen death yeah. in front of me yeah. for whatever reason. I just can't watch that video. So I know that it plays a lot. See, that's the thing. The film. Yeah. So like, so I've been scared so, to watch it. <laughs> I won't lie. I'm scared. <laughs> no, I, I get it. And well, that's the thing. Like there's enough in that movie. Like, cause that also is, three I'm talking about, it's, yeah, it's three hours long. You're bo- uh, like this movie. You're boiling something down to a, a, an arbitrary court situation. Whereas this movie is kind of being boiled down to two arbitrary court situations. But in that one, you just feel the tension. You are exhausted coming out of that movie. You're fucking scared coming out of that movie because of the menace they create. Now, I know it's spinning conspiracy theories like crazy. And people have gone on to debunk Oliver Stone in the last 30 something years that that movie's been around. But like, sure. but that movie got you rocking and rolling in terms of just uh, and some of that is much like nolan here like the editing plays a part in that the music plays a part in that because williams is popping a heck heck of a score versus kind of the noise that is gordonson in this movie where it i just feel like i when i watched noppenheimer being a big fan of something like jfk and i normally i try not to put comparisons to things but sure. my goodness one is just markedly better than the other and it shows a thousand ways to me well there's um, no harm yeah. in comparing yeah. like like kind quality things i mean there's yeah this is a this is a historical biopic so mm-hmm. it comes down to presentation and and chronology yeah. and you have to compare that stuff to other things because well, yeah I mean, if it, something works for you like for me like when you bring up blonde like for me i wasn't emotionally invested because i felt exploited now gotcha. that's different now like i said there's plenty of movies i love that people don't and blah 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 so mm-hmm. it's 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 all for the user the the other thing to me uh, I, I'm a big, I'm not going to say I'm a history buff, especially compared sure. to some of my friends, but I'm always fascinated with pretty much, I would say mid thirties to the end of the red scare is just a fascinating thing. I always come back to. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this movie has all those elements, like that was, that tension yeah. was there for me, you might not have felt it, but for me, I was like, okay, because I saw the bomb and I'm not saying you didn't, I'm just saying like, I think what Nolan's trying to give to people, especially to teach a lesson to sure is that this isn't just about making a bomb to uh-huh. end one war. It's about how like collaboration, risks, how the collaboration, the where does, yeah. where does it go from there? Because that yeah. was one thing I thought he did really well. Well, I, I, I always love the communist red scare stuff. That stuff always intrigues me. I love that there was this constant influx of your past haunting you. But also, like, during the test, there was people mm-hmm. trying to organize and unionize. But also the, the thing that I thought they really hammered home yeah. was that they built that bomb for the Nazis. So when the Nazis were defeated, mm-hmm. they were in a total different brain yeah. space. You know? And then at that point, it, it did come down to morals. And then also, like, yeah, we're working with Russia right now, but we also worked with Japan in World War I, and then they were the enemy. More mm-hmm. on that. I'm not going to get into any of that right now, but yeah. Um, so there's just so much to me. There's just so much history and so many parties at play where you can see one decision working for one thing, but then it's going to totally sideline someone over here. I I, I don't know. I felt that tension. Yeah. I wasn't emotionally invested. Now that's the that, thing. yeah. Now that's like, that's okay because yeah, I think yeah. that I think well, you said figure, it, his his coldness. Kind of calm. I don't want to say calms, but like it does work here. I'll tip the hat that some of that is like I want. I wanted more, but I get why it works. You know what I mean? Well, if you if you think about it, mm-hmm. it is a. I've had fights at family parties because I've said that I have literally said before that the dropping of those bombs was un-American, you know, like or inhumane. Yeah. And, and people look at me like, there's no way. So when you have a figure who created something of such destructive nature, Mm -hmm. there are going to be polarizing viewpoints of that person, of that event. And the fact that they make what I love about this movie, and this is why I wasn't emotionally invested. I think it helped was that I still couldn't peg Oppenheimer. By the end, I was still yeah. like, is he a good guy or is he kind yeah. of a bad guy? Like, not yeah. a bad guy, but like, but like, fires remorse, bad guy, where like he still is, will still do what he does, but maybe right. we should not do this with Russia. Like, he's soft still about, well, even his yeah. wife says, are you going to fight back? Like, all of that layer was interesting too, where maybe if he was more of a fighter, 
we'd have somebody to grab onto go yeah motherfucker go you know the way we we go after like uh, you haven't seen jfk but like the way jim garrison like the way kevin costner's character gets hot and bothered like we're gonna get this right god damn it and and yeah. care so much it's hard to see oppenheimer yeah and care that, that much yeah but that is that's another thing you can look at as well uh-huh. is jfk obviously or i'm sorry oliver stone i haven't seen the movie but i'm assuming knowing who oliver stone is and seen a lot of mm-hmm. his movies like that is him injecting himself into that movie, right? Like yes, he's, that's he's him very much reacting playing. to Nam like himself. Like, now this caused the war that my friends got killed in. Absolutely, yeah. Right, and, and I think with this movie, I, I do think Nolan injects himself into a lot of his movies. A lot of, but this one, okay. I think he showed a lot of restraint by making it, like I said, a more neutral historical mm. piece. And that yeah. lack of emotion, that lack of Nolanness. Yeah, kind of. Now, don't get me wrong. There's there's is, visual flourishes that have no yeah. limits. But what I mean is, is like when you watch Inception or Interstellar or I got a different spot movies, for you. But yeah, he, he, he kind of you can kind of see like this is his ideas. Yeah, and you are just in his playhouse. Whereas this is like sure. this is history. I'm going to present it. Well, it's very it's very easy for him to say, "Oh, I'm pro Oppenheimer," and he could make a very pro Oppenheimer. Movie. Oh, sure. But and like, he doesn't do that, so that's cool. But I see him, I see him get, I see him put the detail into it. I see him put the effort into it, and then still, I don't know, just not land. I hate to say the Dunkirk thing, but not land the plane because this is two historical movies in a row that he's to me fucked up. Because like mm-hmm. Dunkirk, the real heroes of that story are the hundreds of British countrymen coming to save their boys. It's not Tom Hardy in a fucking engineless plane. Here a moment given to the wrong person, and I'll go down in flames with that movie all day long, where, like, sure. yeah, I mean, you give Tom Hardy a cool thing to do, but the hero moment of that history, and he should know it, because he's fucking British, is it's the yeah. countrymen coming to get people, and you need countrymen more spirited than Mark goddamn Rylance as well, so fuck Mark Rylance fuck as well. Fuck Mark Rylance. Fuck Mark Rylance. But, um, but no, no, no. So, when you have, and that's the thing, like, even in this movie, like, you're, the, 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 the biggest flourish of quote-unquote victory or defeat is handed to robert downey jr and not anything oppenheimer done like oppenheimer can pat himself in the back and go i didn't fight but i was right all the way around and i i'll take my words i'll take my handshakes and i'll and i'll end my little story but if you want to punch that that through if you want to punch that through you got to give a a half a hero moment to if if one is possible to oppenheimer and and that's and that therefore you got a pretty tough movie to sell when you gotta right. when you gotta when you gotta when you gotta get RDJ to lose to make your guy look better. Now we're just pulling we're pulling shit in for fun. Well, I but I think the RDJ thing is it's not about him being the villain; it's more the system being the villain because fair fair fair. In, fair. In, I see what you in, mean. In, okay. with the with the security clearance. Here's the thing: is that yeah. uh. Regardless if the notes were never released for this court hearing. Yeah. The the fact of the matter was his his security clearance was revoked. Nice. So regardless of how much he's going to be called a hero or not, there's always going to be that thing hanging where people are going to say, like, well, yeah, but he, he he's not trusted anymore. Well then and you I, show I, him in the sixties where he's when he when he's come back into graces again. You don't need Strauss and RDJ uh, to sell yeah, that. I suppose so. You know, yeah. uh, and and I know we're running a little long, so we're gonna Wrap we'll up too, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Other, the other thing I wanted to say, what, what I think this movie works for me too, is I think there is there's an element of Christopher Nolan himself that I think is a little aloof, and I don't like aloof people. That's why I don't like Wes Anderson movies because I don't like people that are emotionally aloof. Yeah. Hat tip and there, there is, you're dead right. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of like you know stuff where he'll come out with stuff and be like, well. He'll just say uh-huh. things, and you're like, "Okay, nerd, just wow. whatever." Like, I don't care. He, it's the gatekeeping. But he does this whole. He, he does the gatekeeping, but stuff. He's that guy. What I will say though is, he has been a little bit more out there in the media promotion. Um, well, now and he has to, <laughs> and it's, it's humanized him a little bit. Um, I agree. Age is helping like, too. Yeah, because I watched a great. You know those autocomplete things that they do, like online. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Google autocomplete. They, they sat him with Robert Downey Jr. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is a kind of a madcap, yeah. fast talking yeah. kind of guy. He'll win and, any room he's in. Yeah, 
yeah, and he the fact that he was kind of like it felt like he was busting Nolan down like a little bit. Like Nolan was, he couldn't help okay. but laugh. Like he looked human yeah. to me. Like he yeah. looked like he was like, you know, he, he actually smiled and joked about like, cause I, I picture him. Like oh. I, I was talking about this with like a friend, like the nerdiest we nerd. Room, yeah. Like if we were in a room with him, he would be telling us why cinema is what it is and what it should yeah. be and what I should yeah. be enjoying, what I should be watching. That might not be true, but you have to admit like, he's probably built himself that image too. And, mm. and, and uh, the other thing about Nolan, and I know I'm going to piss some people off here, but say it, there are some teams out there in sports that you hate because they're your division rival or your most hated enemy, or they have your worst player mm. or a coach you hate. Everyone knows me as a Buccaneers fan. I hate the saints. I don't care who it is. Yep. Like, I hate the saints no matter what, but there's some teams and divisions of sports. I'd live like, I don't hate the Red Sox. I'm a Rays mm. fan. I don't hate the Red Sox. I hate Red Sox fans. Yeah. So like, so like there's, certain, there's certain fan bases where like you can't help but hate the teams because of the people that like them. Thank and you. for, for me, the Nolan thing is that's, that's been a large part. And I, I yeah. I'm really glad that it's broken with this movie a little bit because maybe I can go back. Oh man. I don't know. Stuff. Like if but he like, if he goes on and sweeps the Oscars and validates all the film bros and oh Nolan Knights, it, 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 this could get but, worse in a hurry. Yeah. But just to, just to give some background, I yeah. I a lot of it is the you know unending like I don't know what you would call it like the inability for the man people to do find no wrong. fault or crit- exactly yeah. like there's Scorsese people that do that there's. Yep. You know, there's all kinds yeah. of, and Nolan seems to have one of those fan bases, kind of like those Boston fan bases or mm-hmm. those saints fan bases or whatever, where you're just like, God, I really like, I just, I thought, you know, dark Knight was fine, but like, yeah. because you're giving me so much shit and you're talking about how amazing it is. I yeah. now hate it. Like, yeah. So Be- for me, yeah. I, I, I gave Dunkirk a three out of five. I gave this a three out of five. Those are positive reviews. I can't yep. call them masterpieces. I won't call them masterpieces. I don't think by the end of the day, they will be his masterpieces. I, even if this one ranks the Oscars, somebody's going to be like, you know what? It all got better with Memento and Inception was at the end. It's something else, you know? Um, or yeah. hey, give it time. Sleep on it for a second. Like uh, Oppenheimer, by the time of this recording, has been out for two goddamn days. It's not the best thing that's ever happened to cinema. Let's give it give it four months. Give it three months. You well, know? we that's Let's we've talked happen. about that before. That's the culture yeah. we live in. Everything's yeah, the greatest we, ever, yeah. the best ever. I'm not against I'm not against finding great things hmm. later in life either. Because for yes. example, like I recently was doing my Spielberg ranking and yeah. I, I had made a declaration when West Side Story came out that this was top five Spielberg for me. And everyone's like, you You're did. a fucking idiot. It's on the tape but, of this show. Yeah, and but I ranked him recently, mm-hmm. and it was number five, and that's okay hey. because I I think there is this this weird thing where people are like they're either like they only get better every every film is a masterpiece or uh-huh. only the old stuff is good and it's like you can find in between like yeah. I love Tarantino but like I hate the Hateful Eight I think that movie is <laughs> atrocious yeah like but people are just like well you can't be a Tarantino fan if you don't like it I'm like yeah I can because I love okay. some of the yeah. other stuff he did like. Yeah. There's no I'm balance sure there's anymore. A, there's a Tampa Bay Buck you don't like. There's a Tampa Bay Ray you don't like. There's a decision <laughs> they made that you don't like, and you're still a fan. The Bears, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I can go all day on the dumb shit they do since 85, and but we're there. But no, that's a great ending sentiment of what you're saying is um, the fans don't make it much better. And if anything, I'm ready for some Gerwig fans, some Gerwig tribe to out, out just to get the money because they're going to rake it at the box office and kind of shut up some Nolan fans. I'm very well, curious. That. that actually brings up something and I, I think mitch will forgive us for this because it was a double so. a double episode yeah. but the last thing i will say is because of the strikes we could be looking at uh depending on how the strikes go i mean a lot of movies are already pushing back yeah um because they don't have anyone to promote them which is fine mm-hmm. i i'm fully in support of the strike i think the movies can so, speak for themselves where you don't need the couches but here we are i get why they're doing but, it but this could be we could be in it's, it's almost like a strike shortened season in basketball I, or something. This could today, be like, these two, yeah. right? I mean, there yeah. there will be more movies that come out, but a lot of people, yeah. like for instance, Dune, Dune Part Two is getting pushed back. That's a that was going to go for the Lord of the Rings spot, where it's like, okay, right. we got all the all the love in the first one, but no wins, other than technical. 
but we're going to take it in the next one. Like you, mm-hmm. you're going to see people stop. Squirt. Like the, this could be the, this could be award season in July, is what I'm saying, yeah. which is crazy. The, the big domino to watch, and I know we're still going along. Uh, the big domino to watch is Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, how bad do you need Leo and De Niro on those couches, or do they pull? So this is going to get real interesting to hurry because I honestly I'm an agent of chaos. I'm rooting for Oscars in July right now because that could be really well, fun right now. That could well, be yeah, because really we would get we would get no doubt. Gosling, Gosling versus RDJ for best supporting actor. And uh, that's category fraud to me. He's a lead, but I know Warner Brothers is going to put Which some one? category oh, fraud. Uh, Gosling should. Be- yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I can he, see that, but yeah. or or it's going to be category. Like I would love to see a screen time count where I mean. Technically, he's a lead, but yeah, he he'll rake it in supporting actor. But uh, here comes RDJ, so we'll see. And that'll be right. one of those, like RDJ, one of those nice comedy nominations that, like, he got for Tropic Thunder, and, yep. and uh, Johnny Depp got for Pirates. Like, it's yeah. kind of like we'll finally get like somebody being goofy getting an Oscar, which would be nice. But anyways, anyway, nice. we'll, right. yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, one thing is, I want you guys to know we have merch. So we have shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff, swag, bags, cups, whatever. Uh, go to everymoviehasalesson.com, and it's the T-Republic storefront. You can get stuff for Don's awesome site, Every Movie Has a Lesson. You can get Cinephile Hissy Fit, and you can also get the free Blockbuster thing, which we are working on to get a, become a national thing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit, on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, and Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile His Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.